And welcome to the studio. You are listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd. Pleased to be here with you for another fantastic edition of Small Business Education. And it's a very exciting show because I think we have the ultimate Small Business Education session for the year. Our penultimate guests, the ATO, are here with us. So let's talk about the ATO. Let's talk about our relationship with the ATO as small businesses. We're probably not a great deal of love and affection out there for the ATO coming from small business. Lots of us are worried about, you know, what's going to happen if I miss a payment or I get things wrong or what if I just accidentally forget to do something correctly? Am I going to have something breathing down my neck? Um, they are quite frighteningly effective at data matching and, and making sure that they catch the people who are doing the wrong thing. But the reality is the ATO are not looking to penalise small business. It's in absolutely nobody's best interest to have a whole lot of businesses go out of go into bankruptcy because let's face it the ATO won't receive their taxes if uh, a business is declared bankrupt so let's have a look at little bit bits of ways that the ATO supports us as small businesses and there are a myriad of things that you can access whether it be information education um, portals uh, just lots of different ways that you can keep yourselves de-stressed when it comes to our relationship with the ATO. And today, what better to have uh, an inside knowledge guest such as Deborah Jenkins, who is the Deputy Commissioner for the ATO. She's joining us today to talk about top record-keeping tips, getting online, who to ask for help and where to turn to when it all goes wrong. Welcome to the program, Deborah. Thank you so much for having me. Now, let's talk a little bit about uh, the ATO and the relationship with small business. Um, From the top end, um, what's your take on that? Just really broadly. I mean, I suppose the ATO's job is to collect tax, kind of a fundamental requirement to run a society that doesn't go into complete bedlam. So you have a, a job to do and obviously the businesses around Australia um, are part of that that job as well. Um, has the relationship with small business evolved? Do you think it's changed in the last five years or so? Yeah, look, having a great relationship with small businesses and their um, partners in the community is really, really important. So if we uh, have the trust and confidence of those small businesses and we help them get things right and we don't have that gotcha moment with them, Obviously, that's going to really improve the relationship we've got. But, you know, I can't overstate the importance of the partners in the community, whether it's the bookkeepers, whether it's the tax advisors or just business advisors. Mm. Because, you know, there are around 4 million small businesses that we have to deal with. And, I, you know, as great as I am, I can't get out to each and every one of them. (laughs) So we do need to, you know, others to really help us uh, educate um, and help people understand where they can go for help and, and assistance. And those people that you find are reaching out to the community, do you consider those your partners to really access small business and educate them and teach them? I mean, you are doing a really great job in the last 12 months. You've had some fantastic rollouts online with with small business education, you know, the small business newsroom um, email, which I think goes out to over a million um, businesses. More than two million. Wow, that's really grown. But it's, it's full of really detailed info and it's also very well laid out, let me just say, because it's very accessible. So that's a really great, you know, way to, to get the information out there. Um, and I think from a, my perspective, um, I feel I feel that the, the, the phone lines are better, which is good because everybody needs that. And for those of you who don't know out there, you can ring up and request a callback up until what time at night? Uh, so it depends on um, which day of the week, but yeah. there, there are, there's a late callback service, which is fantastic because it actually allows people to say, hey, you know, we, we want to have a chat with you. 
And it's Monday to, to Saturday, so yeah. Yeah, that's awesome because, you know, people who are working in their businesses are not doing their book work or thinking about their taxation and stuff during the day. Uh, do, do you know how many people say to me, you know, look, I do it at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah. I do, and look, you probably know you, you run your own small business. Um, but people aren't doing it 9 to 5, Monday to Friday, and that's why uh, the callback service... And also all the great tools that we've got online. I mean, you mentioned the Small Business Newsroom. I'm so pleased that you mentioned it, and I'm so pleased that you, you like it. Um, we would really encourage people to sign up for our Small Business Newsroom. It's it's specifically designed to be really easy to understand. And, you know, we get heaps of emails all the time. Mm. Ours has, um, as you probably know, little tiles on it. So it just has a quick little sentence. You can click on that and click through if that's of interest to you um, mm. later on. And it's a wide range of, of articles. It might be about, you know, how to pay your debts or where the small business fairs that are going on around the country are. Lots of information in the Small Business Newsroom. And speaking of small business fairs, it's been really great to see the ATO get out to local communities. I'm sure that's desperately needed in regional, but even, you know, in the outer suburbs of Sydney, it's great to have people coming out and speaking to groups of uh, small businesses because, um, you know, for example, our area of Hornsby has over 13,000 registered businesses. And so accessing them on a face-to-face basis is really great. That's That's been a really, I think, a great improvement with yeah. communication. Look, it's really interesting, isn't it? Because um, a lot of people say, let's go digital, you know, go online, put everything online. But the feedback that we've got is online is brilliant, but there are also times when people actually just want to talk to a real person <laughs> or see a real person. Mm. And I think, you know, you, you mentioned uh, when we started that sometimes we can appear quite scary. And, and I get that, you know, a phone call or an email from the ATO can be quite confronting even though it's not supposed to be. But actually, when you get to meet the people, um, I've got you know teams all across the country, they're really passionate about what they do. They really want to make sure that they can help small businesses understand their obligations. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a really important part of what we do, the face-to-face, as well as our amazing online tools. And I think it's really important that businesses understand that you are running a business um, and you do have obligations. So might we whinge about you know, oh, I have to do this report and I have to do this bass every quarter. And it's kind of not a bad thing because you keep on top of your books. So let's talk a bit about record keeping as well. So what are the what are the ATO's top tips for good record keeping? What are your expectations when you, when you work with a business? Yeah, record keeping is one of those essentials. So, you know, often people say to me, well, what does good look like? What does a good business look like? And I'll say, well, let's start with the basics here. Nothing really fancy, just some really basic good bookkeeping. So keeping your records. Um, it'd be great if you could use our app and, you know, save, uh, take a picture of your, your receipts and things like that on the ATO app. But, you know, as long as you keep those records, really important. And, you know, as a bookkeeper, I'm sure when it comes to the end of the year or even uh, as you're doing people's bazes, it makes your life a lot easier too if people have kept those records. Yeah. So and you don't need to pay for that. Because like, the ATO offers that free service as well. You can stick it in a Google Drive, anywhere you like. And a lot of businesses don't even realise that digital form of invoices and receipts is perfectly acceptable. Get rid of the paper, people. Oh, I know. Imagine freeing up your spare room. Yeah. You can actually get in there. But you're, you're right, you know, and keeping it digitally as well. I'm sure we've all experienced those um, invoices that fade over time. Or over five minutes if they're on uh, the dashboard of your car. Correct, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, you know, for us, record keeping is really important just to keep those receipts. But also think about, you know, there are some times where you might be using it for a bit of a mixture of business and personal. Mm-hmm. So make sure you're keeping a track of that where you can. Some are really obvious, some are less obvious. But if you do it at the time, what we find is it's so much better than trying to do it in a hurry at the end of the year. You know, if you think about the stress on people, when they do it at the last minute, that's when it becomes really, really stressful. Um, 
If you can use a digital system, you know, some form of electronic um, keeping, we do find that people who use those sorts of systems seem to have sort of a better quality of information. Mm. It also means, you know, many people have gone onto the cloud. It means instead of a bookkeeper or an advisor or um, a, a tax accountant coming into your premises, you can actually, you know, share that information up in the cloud and you can both be working on it late at night, not having to visit each other's premises. So. Mm. Again, it helps people fit in that sort of record-keeping in their own time. So as well as uh, the tax invoices being a necessity, is there always a little bit of a grey area with the whole $75 cut-off thing? I mean, under $75, excluding GST... You don't need a receipt, really? Yeah, so that there are sort of two rules here. One, we're talking about uh, GST, something near and dear to my heart. I, <laughs> to love, I love GST. But, um, yeah, so when you have a um, an invoice for $75, um, uh, then you actually, or less, you don't need to keep the tax invoice for it. For This is for GST purposes. So if you want to claim an input tax credit for, for that, then you don't need to keep a tax invoice. Obviously, you need to have some form of record to show that, you know, you spent it, but you don't actually need a tax invoice. Invoice. But over those amounts, you do need to keep something that's called a tax invoice. That's a particular type of document. Often they're headed up, tax invoice, that's the giveaway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it also has information to make sure that you've got the, the GST amount right that you need to be claiming. And, of course, keeping up to date with your bookkeeping is, is crucial for cash flow. I mean, oh that's why goodness, yes. if anybody is thinking about going on to GST, I always encourage them to go straight on to quarterly reporting because isn't it lovely when you get to the end of June and you've lodged your BAS for June, which, you know, depending on whether you've got a BAS agent or not, is what your due date is. It's done. Everything's done. Then you just hand everything over to your accountant in July as opposed to three days before the end of the May deadline when accountants are pulling their hair out. Oh, I'm so pleased you've mentioned cash flow because uh, for us, we see businesses are failing and it's the basics, it's cash flow. It's not getting your invoices out, you know, after you've done the job. Uh, I had, you know, electricians and others come around to my house and they literally stand at your kitchen bench and, and put the invoice there straight away. And it encourages, you know, me to pay straight away as mm-hmm, well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where we see it go wrong is where people, you know, start to delay the payments of superannuation to their employees or just start to say, oh, I can't actually pay my GST on my bears this month. I'll, I'll just hold back a little bit. Um, you know, there, there's, it does seem to be a tipping point that if people get behind in that cash flow, um, it's it's a real challenge for them to call back. So cash flow, if you can keep on top of that, use some you know basic tips and tricks uh, to be on top of it. It makes a big difference to your tax. Let's talk about prioritising because half of the problem with cash flow is not knowing what things you should you should pay first. Um, and I think what what businesses need to understand is is that superannuation money or that pays you go withholding tax more importantly the superannuation money it's not your money it doesn't belong to you so as you do payroll either on a maybe a monthly or a quarterly basis you should be taking that super and paying it get out of it get rid of it it's not your money anyway and getting behind the eight ball with that is really I think the beginning of the undoing of the cash flow crisis that businesses have. It certainly is. And and I think people sort of, you make a really good point. It isn't your money. You know, it is the employee's money. Uh, But because of that, and because traditionally it hasn't been particularly transparent, like you actually haven't seen uh, that money go into someone's super fund or, you know, there hasn't been sort of a good visibility of it. 
but with single-touch payroll, and maybe we can have a chat about that later. It's one of, another one of my favourite topics. <laughs> um, but with single-touch payroll, which is pay, payday reporting, pay event reporting, it means we're going to have greater visibility both for, for the employees to be able to see um, their superannuation payments on their MyGov account, but also there's going to be a greater level of transparency to the ATO about what amounts actually are owed. Um, so we'll have that in, re- in real time. So let, explain to me why single-touch payroll was, was created as, as a reporting event. So for those of you who don't know, come first to July, anybody with any employees, for those of you who have had 19 or more employees, it's it's already kicked in last year. But this coming financial year rollover, you're going to have to start reporting on a pay event basis. So this is where a little bit of confusion happens. If you pay your, your employees weekly, it is a weekly pay reporting event. And you're just telling the ATO three bits of information, what the gross wages were, what the PAYG withholding is, and what the super amount is. And that's it. It's just just a bit of information that goes. So I think everyone's kind of freaking out a bit and they're not sure what's happening. But really, at its, at its simplest level, that's essentially what's going on. That's right. And the beauty of uh, single-touch payroll or payday reporting is that it's designed to, to follow information and processes that you would normally follow anyway. So one thing that we were really, really clear about when we were designing this was it had to follow your natural, what we call them natural business processes. And I'm, hopefully that makes sense to your listeners. But something that you would do as a business all the time, which is, you know, you go in and you pay your employees. The idea of it is to make sure that at the time that you're paying them, you also, with one touch, with single touch, um, that information gets sent to the ATO uh, through your um, your uh, digital system. So whether it's you know your accounting system that you've got, um, and that information gets sent through to us. It increases our visibility. Um, in the longer run, it's going to mean that we'll be able to do things to make sure, for example, that um, you know if you're getting benefits or other things, that we can actually you know make sure that you're not uh, receiving money that you're not entitled to. You don't have to pay it back. Um, you know. It's just to keep on top of it. So the whole idea of single-touch payroll was to for greater visibility of those payments so that we can actually match up what, what we're receiving from different sources, but also to make sure that actually, um, you know, when you are doing this, you actually have it at the time you're doing it. Mm. Um, and so I think that's really important. But you're right, people are a little nervous about it. Um, what we're saying to people is don't stress about it. We don't want to add to people's stress. There's uh, lots of deferrals that will be available. There's lots of information on our website about Single Touch Payroll as well. Um, lots of other bits and pieces. So hopefully people will check out some of that information. That's right. You can go to the ATO website, particularly around Single Touch Payroll. I think there's a dedicated small business section which has a really yes. good deep dive into what to do as a small business. And don't forget, Small Biz Matters actually uh, interviewed John Shepard, the head of Single Touch That's Payroll, right. only a few weeks ago. There's a great podcast available, so check it out on iTunes or on smallbizmatters.com.au. Now, we're going to take a quick break here in the studios, Triple H, and across the community radio network. We will be back after these announcements. So today on Small Biz Matters, we are talking to Deborah Jenkins, who is here from the ATO. Very pleased to have her in the studio because... Here on Small Biz Matters, it's all about education and making sure that our listeners get the information that they need. Just before the break, we were talking a little bit about the rollout of single-touch payroll and what impact that's going to have with any of you with any employees come 1 July. Make sure you check out the ATO website, particularly the Small Business Newsroom. They've got lots of great videos and information about how to get it implemented with your business. And don't forget to talk to your friendly bookkeeper or accountant or business advisor who should also be completely across this and can help help you out. So we've talked about the warm and the fuzzy and the fluffy and the nice stuff, Deborah. Let's talk about the not so nice stuff. The, th- the thing that 
the ATO is really trying to combat, which is the black economy. Mm. Um, now, why is it broadly that we need to have a, a task force, uh, a group of the ATO who are cracking down on this? Because I think that was implemented back in 2015, I think the task force came about. So what is it that this, it's the role of this of this area of the ATO? Yeah, no, you're right. Look, I mean, while most people really want to do the right thing, and, and that's what I see most of the time, people trying to do the right thing, there are some people who don't do the right thing, whether that's because they don't know what they're doing or whether actually they're deliberately trying to do the wrong thing. So there are a number of task force. Um, there's the Phoenix task force. Would you mind just explaining what Phoenix Trading is? Because I, I, yeah. some people might know what that is. Absolutely. Think of rising from the ashes, as the name suggests. Um, so when you think about Phoenix uh, activity, that's when you know, you've got a business, it's going along, and then actually, for uh, mysterious reasons, the money starts to disappear out of that entity. Uh, maybe those assets are transferred into another entity. Uh, and then all of a sudden, that original entity that you may have had your contract with uh, collapses. And what do you know? They turn up down the road uh, in another guise. So that's sort of the phoenix activity. What does that mean? It often leaves a trail of destruction behind it. Um, it leaves people who haven't been paid. And so we're really keen on making sure that that doesn't happen and that we identify those people who are conducting that sort of phoenix activity, moving on from one business organisation to another, leaving the trail of destruction behind, and often um, in their wake, many small businesses. So that's why we're really keen on this. You know, it's about how can we help um, identify that activity? Uh, so we do have a hotline and there is information online. If, if you know, any of your listeners think that there is some phoenix activity that either they've observed or, um, you know, that, that they're concerned about, um, information online, and we do have a, a 1800 number which is 1800 807 875 uh, but you know please do report that activity can yeah. I ask is that is that confidential that that line yeah that is confidential and look that's really important too isn't it because people do want to uh, tell us what's happening but they don't there's fear of retribution so that's why it's really important that they feel uh, safe to provide that information but probably the more recent one that maybe some of your listeners have heard about is the black economy uh, there was a task force and now there are a number of recommendations from that task force uh, that we are implementing and so one of those things that people may have heard about is something where we're out in the community talking to small businesses um, and uh, with, with our teams of people. We were in uh, Cranbourne yesterday uh, in Victoria um, and on the 27th we're in Camden. And the idea is for us to get out there, uh, first of all, to, to really be amongst those businesses, particularly those where we find that there's a high incidence of, you know, cash-only businesses, because while there's no problems with taking cash, not a problem at all, you do need to make sure that you actually record that as income. Um, so we identify, um, you know, cash-only businesses and we start to visit those sites. Is it also, uh, it, so it becomes site-specific a little bit, so when, you, when you're looking at particular areas that you notice that maybe there's under-reporting of income, or, or people aren't really um, paying their employees properly or there's a lot of family members in a group so therefore the, the payments are not above board. How do you find those areas in the first place? What sort of data matching are you looking at so people know, I don't know, I guess how to, how to avoid those visits? Sure. So what we use is uh, merchant payment data. 
So is, is, there are many things that we use, but often if we look at an area that has um, low usage of uh, merchant payment, so that's mm. you know your Visa and Mastercard systems, mm. Mm. Um, that is an indicator to us that there's probably a high cash uh, business uh, rate of cash businesses in that area. We also use our small business benchmarks, so we do look and we sort of understand. Well, hang on, what looks normal? And look, there are degrees of normal, of course, but these are all indicators. Uh, we then identify, you know, maybe it's that people have been struggling with their payments. So there are a whole lot of indicators that say to us, you know what, probably a good idea to visit those. Um, we also want to make sure that we share the love around. So uh, our, our visits are across the country. They're in city locations, also out in the country, like genuinely the country, um, mm. not, not sort of Hornsby, but mm, the country, mm, the country. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that the idea of these aren't meant to be scary, but people do say that when they see us, some of the people really want to talk to us. They want the opportunity to ask us questions. But for others, it also makes people say, well, hang on, you know, the ATO is actually out and about. They are looking at people who aren't doing the right thing. And so it's a, a sort of a combination. Uh, piece of work that we do. Because as small businesses, we deal with a lot of other small businesses. Yes. And we've all got that painful supplier or that painful client yeah. who either doesn't pay their invoices properly or doesn't deliver the goods properly. And ultimately, with the ATO cracking down on those people, do you think that's going to assist the economy in general for small business? Yeah. What we often refer to this as is protecting honest businesses. And so um, if your listeners have a look on our website, uh, that's where we have this information because you're absolutely right. You know, if we uh, if we make sure that uh, small businesses are paying small businesses on time, which actually genuinely they are, um, often it's the large businesses who are a bit slower in paying. Don't we all know that? Uh, yes, yes. Um, but, you know, this is the sort of thing we want to do. So if we manage to get uh, you know, small businesses who understand that we all need to play our part. We all want to build schools and hospitals and roads. Uh, but if everyone's doing it and everyone feels like everyone's doing the right thing, that makes a really big difference. And that's a big part of our campaign. And it's also fairness as well. You know, if fairness. one person's doing all the reporting correctly and paying the correct amount of tax yep. and, and doing all the right thing, it just doesn't seem fair if somebody else is illegitimately um, behaving. Uh, just to pick up on what you were asking before, uh, what you were saying before about... Um, not so much the data matching, but uh, the benchmarks. Mm, small business benchmarks. Can you give an example of that? Is that is that kind of like when I've got a cafe and I say that I'm only earning forty thousand dollars a year, but I'm driving a Rolls Royce? Well, <laughs> are you? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> um, look, there's a combination of factors, but what we do is we sort of look at um, businesses in the same industries. So you know, all the kebab shops in certain areas. Um, we also have some key information about them. So we will have information about their turnover. We might have information about their expenses. What we do. To try and do is say, hang on, which one of these is not looking the same? And and as many people tell me, look, Deb, it doesn't mean there's something wrong. And I want to be really clear with everyone. It doesn't mean something's wrong if you're out of kilter, because there might be a whole range of explanations. But it also helps us, you know, put our resources to the right place to try and understand what's looking out of kilter. So whether it's that, hey, those sales and, and those expenses, those ratios don't look quite right here. Um, we need to just uh, check that out. And when you say check that out, is that part of the small business visits or is it more of a softly, softly phone call kind of thing? Uh, we use this information across all of our, our, our activities across the ATO. So you're right, it might be a phone call, um, it might be a letter, but as part of the, the small business visits, because I'd really love to just um, tell you a little bit about that. Yeah, what happens when someone yeah. comes knocking? Yeah, so what we start is we, we do what we call a letter drop. So we literally hand out some flyers to say we're going to be in the area. We also let the business chambers know that we're going to be in the area. We let you know everyone who's around the local MPs. And then we do, we, we literally walk the streets and, and drop in a flyer, say hello. 
we advertise what we call um, open sessions. So we have an information session to start um, our visits in the area. We had a great one in Haymarket not that long ago. We actually invited small businesses into our offices and we had um, concurrent sessions. One was run in Mandarin, one was run in English to talk about the basics of record keeping and what we expect to see. We follow that up with some um, some actual visits to some of the businesses that we're very interested in. And look, where we see something that doesn't look quite right, we will often um, ask more questions. And in some cases, we do need to take it to audit. But the idea of these is to actually help people get it right first, rather than assuming that they've got it wrong. Right. So it's more of a, uh, we're just going to have a look at how you're operating and maybe make some suggestions about how to do it better. But then if you find something that is blatantly illegal or really putting either employees or other people in the economy at risk, then, then you're going to audit them. That's that's just a fact. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's um, that's definitely one of the ways it's good to see the ATO getting out there. Don't don't be worried. Don't think that it's like having a police car in your no, rearview mirror. Not at all. all right. Um, I also like the way uh, that, that when you're speaking to the ATO now, you, I get the sense that there's a bit of a, a change. I'm sure there's other people who have got different experiences, but... There's a t- change in the tone. It's it's more of a sort of a helpful um, way of, of talking and speaking about it. And I know that if you're not particularly happy with the person that you're speaking to, it's like with any organisation, perhaps ask to speak to a supervisor, ask to speak to someone else. But I would suggest all businesses out there is if you do speak to someone on the ATO, ask for a reference number. They have them all. Every phone call has one. Write down what was said. And is my little top tip, admin tip for the day. Send yourself an email. Write down what was said, write down who you talked to, get the reference number and email it to yourself. That date and time stamps it and then you know it's in your records and you don't have to worry about it again. Very important to write things down. It's a bit of CBT (laughs) psychology advice from your local radio host. So we've talked about um, what the ATO is doing when it's getting out and and communicating with businesses, a little bit about the black economy. Um, How much of an impact do you think it's going to have on the tax that we will have as a society with all these crackdowns? Is it actually making a difference with what you're collecting? Yeah, look, I mean, we, we don't do it for the sake of it. We do it to make sure that we do collect the right amount of tax so that we can, you know, um, build a, a great Australia. But we have seen that there has been a change in behaviour. People uh, are lodging, uh, we're trying to get people to lodge on time. Uh, one of the recent uh, pieces of legislation that came in was what's called the Taxable Payments Reporting System. And, uh, TPAR, if anybody has TPAR. And many of your listeners will probably know that was rolled out to the building and construction industry first. Uh, and that was great because we could actually test, you know, does this work? And what it what it involves is that if you're paying a contractor, um, you need to report that information to us, that you, you here's the number of contractors uh, that you've paid, here's the names, here's the details, um, and we can then match that information, either to nudge those contractors and say, hey, guys, you've forgotten to lodge your tax returns, or include that information. But also it means that we can just, you know, match that information to make sure that they're actually telling us the right information. Um, you know, last year I think it was two point seven billion dollars additional was raised <gasps> wow. as a result of that. And so North Connects. I know, it, it, but it is when you put it in the context of you know this is a hospital, this is a this is a road, yeah, yeah. and that's why it's really important. You know, in many cases we know people aren't trying to do 
the wrong thing. They just don't have the information available. Mm. So, you know, as much as we can do to nudge, to help, to pre-fill, um, to use the data that we've got to help people comply with their tax and super obligations, that's really what we're about. But you're absolutely right. You know, this, all these initiatives are about trying to make sure that we make it easy for people to pay tax. Um, and that's just one of the initiatives. So the TPAR was originally rolled out for the construction industry rather successfully, as you mentioned. Mm. Now, um, it's now in place for cleaning and couriers and road freight and why why is why those particular areas yeah so cleaners couriers road freight it security investigation surveillance are those areas that we see that there is um increased lack of compliance so we do see in those areas as people uh do forget to lodge all of their information um and look that's not saying everyone in any of those industries um but we do see a higher proportion of people in those industries who aren't lodging their uh their tax returns with the correct information on it and i suppose the businesses aren't uh, explaining or having correct documentation to back up the payments that they're making, for instance? That's right. It's the whole way through that, you know, back to that discussion we had earlier um, on record keeping, you know, there just wasn't the information to back up uh, what they've sent through to us or, you know, um, things that are claimed by another entity that, hey, I've paid this contractor. We're not seeing uh, the flip side of that transaction in the contractor's uh, records. Can we expect to see that across more uh, sectors of the economy where it's going to be rolled out if, because it's been so successful with the construction industry? Yeah, something like that's a, a matter for government, uh, but obviously we'll just watch and see how these uh, industries uh, play out. But yeah, building construction has been very successful so far. And remembering, of course, that if you do have uh, a more powerful uh, soft piece of software that's looking after your accounting, your zeros, your myobs, then you are sort of going to be, be able to control this a little bit more instead of the old paper pen method. I mean, oh, these yeah, days right. it just saves so much time and it's all rolled into the packages generally. You can do it within the software. So it's really um, saving you time and making life easier. That's right. And look, we are working on ways where we can actually uh, help people uh, report that information to us because in some cases, you know, if we have to have people reporting on paper, that's not really helpful at all. So, you know, the more that we can do to improve our digital tools and services, which is something we're always working on, that'll make a difference. Could I ask you a question about data matching? Because I find this quite curious and interesting and it's a real way that we see that the ATO is coming in, not coming into the 21st century because it's 2019, but really making the most of um, the cyber information out there. Now, you have access by law to people's bank information, is that correct? We can get access to banking information. So you don't need sort of a, a, you know, a court order or anything like that to be able to access. So people need to understand that the information is there on themselves to access. So you're kind of better off doing the right thing to begin with. So you've got TPAR, which is a way of matching what you're paying contractors with what they're declaring. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the, the the bank matching, obviously. And now um, at, with, with single touch payroll, you're going to be getting information from super companies faster. Is yep, that right? That's right, from the funds themselves. Excellent. Yep. And and what other are there any other things that you're data matching just for curiosity's sake that people might want to know yeah, about? Yeah, sure. So if you think about, um, and this has you know, uh, been in the newspapers recently, things like um, from uh, sharing platforms. So we do have access to data with something like, like an Airbnb or some of those other platforms. Um, we do have access to um, uh, ride sourcing records as mm. well, so the drivers who drive with the ride sourcing uh, operators. So we do get that, that information. 
and we can obviously match that up. Um, you know, we we like to use that information for good. We like to actually use that information to say to people, hey, we can pre-fill your information. But obviously it does help us. We use these powers really carefully though because of course sometimes the data can be wrong. Mm. So we do need to proceed quite carefully with some of this information. We always try to do that. But you're right um, and it's only going to grow as more and more information is available, um, you know, whether it's uh, land titles records, whether it's, you know, property sales, whether it's car registration. There is a lot of information that is available if we do need to access it. So in other words um, make sure you're doing the right thing, educate yourself, get your, get everything up to date. It's just, if nothing else just from a pure mental health perspective, oh. imagine the joy you will experience if the ATO just randomly rings you up it doesn't ring, we're going to talk a little bit about those phone calls after the break, but if you get that touch point and you get asked the question and you just go what do you want to know? Because I'll just look it up imagine the feeling and, and, the, and the light you know it, it's just awesome it would just be great to have, have that experience as a small business instead of always worrying about it so from a mental health perspective helps you sleep at night right <laughs> yeah, exactly we're going to take a quick break here on Triple H and across the community radio network you're listening to Small Biz Matters with Alexi Boyd when we come back we've got the ATO in the room and we're going to talk about those phone calls and yes. all that stuff that's going on it's a lot of uh, around the news at the moment so we'll come back and talk about that shortly and welcome back to Triple H Studio you're here with Alexi Boyd and Small Biz Matters and we've got Deborah Jenkins from the ATO who is one of the assistant commissioners talking all things ATO and small business. Lots to learn in today's program. If you're just tuning in now, make sure that you catch up using the iTunes link for Small Biz Matters and also you can check out our website, smallbizmatters.com.au. There are over 130 podcasts to listen to and just during the break I was saying to Deborah, there's I haven't actually repeated a topic yet in the five years that we've um, that we've been on air, which is quite crazy because it just goes to show how much you need to learn when you're running a small business. So thank you very much for being a part of that. I think we've covered quite a lot today. Earlier in the program, we were talking a little bit about single-touch payroll, TPARs, changes which you can expect to happen, um, the importance of paying your tax correctly and what to be on the lookout when it comes to Phoenix trading and ways that you can report it as well because we all want to make sure that we behave correctly in the economy and benefit from a great economy. So let's talk a little bit about um, what's been in the news quite a bit, which is the uh, those phone calls. Oh, yes. They're Have not you had one? You. I, I, uh, what did I... I've had the ones where somebody rings me and leaves a really long, quite aggressive, yeah. but I don't understand what they're saying because it's in a different language phone call. I think it's hilarious. So they're yelling at me in a different language. I'm going, I actually don't know how to feel because I can't, I don't know what you're saying. No. I've had that one, um, but I've spoken to a lot of people who um, have that. I, I've talked to a few people who how they deal with it. Um, one, mm. one of my friends hands over the phone to her three-year-old daughter <laughs> and the three-year-old daughter just has a chat. That is brilliant. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try that next time. It's kind of like when you used to get junk mail and you used to get um, applications for credit cards. They used to annoy the hell out of me. So I used to get all of my junk mail and I'd stuff it in the envelope that they gave you to reply paid and then I'd post it. I tried to get all my friends to do that. But how on earth are we... It, it's just a time waster, really. But firstly, what should we be on the lookout for? Yeah. So, no, thanks for raising it. And, and I have had one of those scam phone calls. Mine was in English. Um, and it was quite frightening. Hang on a second. <laughs> Let's just pause for a second. No, the they Deputy call. Commissioner of gets the called. ATO gets a phone call. <laughs> 
I think I'm going to be across this. I think I know what it is that I you're know. doing. Wow. But, you know, even I must admit, I was really taken aback by it because it was quite scary. They were very aggressive um, and, you know, quite abusive and told me that I would be arrested and taken away and I had to, you know, pay money straight away, immediately. Um which, of course, I knew I didn't have to, but it can be really scary. Mm. So, for starters, we do not call uh, threatening, leaving abusive or offensive uh, phone messages. That's not the way we operate. Um, we also... so th- that, Those are the phone calls. There are obviously lots of email scams online as well. So if it looks suspicious, you know, don't click on those links. But those are getting better. They are. They are getting better. I, I mean, for goodness sake, I'm a bass agent. I know what bills look yeah. like. And the other day... I got a bill from Energy Australia. That's where I have my electricity. And the only thing that made me twig was the fact that I've got one of those schemes where if you pay early, you You get the discount. The discount discount button wasn't there. And that was it. That was seriously, that was the only thing that was different. Uh Another tip you can do, obviously, is you can hover your mouse over the email address. Absolutely. And if it looks like gobbledygook, it's not obviously correct. Um, And my understanding is that most of those companies, when they're sending out invoices, they don't have um, that you can't reply to that email or you have to contact them via logging into the website. But then don't click on that and then log into the no. website because that's the point. No. And the other thing you've got to be aware of is um, is is the and this is quite scary as well. People are hacking into other email addresses of businesses yes, and, and then pretending to be invoices with different bank details. Yes. So. If you change, let's all get into the habit that if you change your bank details as a business, you personally send out, oh no, that doesn't work either because they could send out an email saying we're changing the, wow. Uh, How about you ask if you're going to pay a very large bill Mm. and the bank details have changed, pick up the phone, ring the business and say, just checking that your bank account details have changed because that's another thing that they're doing, isn't it? They are, they are. But, you know, I mean, that's that's a great suggestion because you do have to be careful. But the the situation you outlined, you know, we're doing things in a hurry, right? You know, you're doing them late at night. It's very easy to click on those links. You're tired. Absolutely. But if you you do get a scam, you know, um, while we might not be able to do anything about it, it is actually important that we know that they exist. So, um, you know, check out the website. We do have, if you just type in scams, an ATO. There's a whole lot of information there. You can report those scams, particularly if you think your TFN has been, your tax file number has been compromised. Uh, please do make sure that you let us know because we can, you know, do things uh, immediately to protect your account if you do think that that, that information has been compromised. Um, but you know, it, it is one of those things. If you think one other tip, we never ask for payment in iTunes cards or Amazon cards. Um, you'd be surprised how many people um, it's do. It's in the millions now, isn't it? It's it, just huge it's amounts crazy. of money. And thank goodness, um, some lovely people who've been well trained in, in many of those stores who sell those cards have actually stopped people and said, "Why are you buying, you know, hundreds and hundreds of iTunes cards?" So we do not accept payment by iTunes cards. I've just noticed as well that the, the major supermarkets have obviously got a sign next to next to yeah. the. Uh, iTunes cards that says, you know, don't buy this if that's what it is that you're doing. It's a scam. Please be unaware. But what we're talking about here, and no, I won't say that actually. I was going to say it's the vulnerable members of the community, but it's not. It's not. It's, <laughs> it's all of us. It's all of us. It's if mm. it, I've got my bill with Energy Australia and um, I, yeah, came pretty close to clicking through. Another thing you can do is um, you can maybe share some of your experiences on Facebook, make people aware of yes. them, show, you know, how clever that it's becoming. But I guess uh, picking up the phone and speaking to a real person and checking, although it does take time, mm. will save you thousands. It absolutely can save you thousands. That's mm. right. 
right. Mm. That's right. And and look, you sort of think, well, why should I do it? But you know, trust your gut, in, gut instinct. Um, it you know, they can take a lot of money if you're not careful. And the other thing that's frustrating when you're running a business is you don't want to miss a potential client phone call. So those phone calls come in and you answer, even if you don't recognise the number. Now, I am getting in the habit. This is just my top tip for today. Is what I'll do is I'll I'll let the number go to voicemail. If they don't leave a message clearly it's obviously not um, work-related and therefore it's a scam. So what I do is I go back into that number and I block and I keep adding it to my block list. And I know it sounds insane because there's an infinite number of numbers they could be calling from, but I did that for about a month and I don't get those calls anymore because they're just they're just going straight to... The algorithm's so, not working anymore. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So if, if more of us block those callers when they're people who are not leaving messages and they're just from 0 to or 0 3 or whatever numbers, mm. uh, then then perhaps they'll, they'll start to get the message. We need to do people power on them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> it's one of the things you've got to do. So... Um, just to, to wrap up today, can you just give us a few top tips on how small business can get better educated about their relationship with the ATO uh, and how the ATO supports us really in uh, in our time of need? When we're, when we're really struggling and the backup's against the wall, what can the ATO do to help? Yeah. So one of the first things I would say is if you are feeling in financial difficulty or stress, the worst thing that you can do is avoid us. So although it might seem really difficult, uh, picking up the phone and having a chat to us and explaining your situation or going online and maybe deferring through a payment plan if you know, you're know you within those limits is a really good starting point. Um, sometimes the particular person, the small business owner, might not feel up to it. Uh, we do talk to their tax agents or their advisors as well. But key message here is don't bury your head in the sand because it's not going to get any better. Do reach out for some support. But also use your um, partners in the community as well. So there's a lot of great uh, information out there that's available uh, not only from our website, but whether it's through the Small Business Commissioners um, in the various states and territories. Um, you know, there's BizConnect. There's all sorts of other people who can give you that sort of information. Um, our staff are trained in empathy training, our frontline staff. And you mentioned earlier, you know, you've, you felt that uh, when you're calling them, you sort of get a, a better hearing. And that's really important because the mental health of small businesses across Australia is really important to us. I was at a, a roundtable with uh, Minister Cash last week where we were talking with people across Australia about how we can all, large government agencies, corporates and uh, small businesses themselves, help people in their time of need. Uh, So the first things are make sure you don't bury your head in the sand. The second one is just educate yourself about what is available out there. Um, you know, cash flow, we talked about cash flow. For me, I see that's one of the tipping points for many people uh, when they just don't have that money. So getting some help, getting some advice on how to manage your business and your cash flow can actually help you sleep at night and give you that peace of mind. But there is a lot of information available on our, on our website. You've mentioned the Small Business Newsroom. But there are a lot of other pieces of information on there, whether it's, you know, um, using our mobile app, how to defer your payment plans, when the due dates are, for example. You know, some really simple things um, that can help people will sleep, sleep easier. And any of you out there who are part of a professional association and have continuing practising education credits that you need to have, um, guess what? Looking at the ATO website and spending an hour just reading through some of their material is actually a CPD credit. So use it because um, it's, it's a great source of, of information. Yeah. Look, I'd like to thank you very much for coming on the show today, Deborah. Where can uh, people, what's, what's the best 
basically best place to go to, ato.gov.au? Absolutely. That is the best place to go. Um, lots of small biz stuff on there. And uh, look, we have uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook as well. Um, so we, we love using social media to connect with people out there in the community as well. So please feel free to follow us. And if you've missed any of today's show, you can, of course, catch up via iTunes or the smallbizmatters.com.au website where the full interview will be available for you to listen to, plus around 120 others, plus 50 on iTunes. Lots of great information, both from the ATO, business experts and other government organisations who are basically here to help. So thank you once again for joining us in the studio at Triple H, Deborah. Thanks for having me. Now, we'll be back next week with another great guest. Uh, we've got Stephen Moros coming from Cisco. We're going to talk all about cyber security and boy, is that an important issue for small business right now. You've been listening to Triple H 100.1 FM, Alexi Boyd on small business, small business matters. I'll see you all next week.